everyone. Welcome to Right On Radio. My name is Jeff. The tagline of the show is Live Right in the Real World, where I explain to you what the real world is, both visible and invisible, and you decide how to live in it. You know, history is important to understand. And of course, there has been a lot of falsifications made of our history. And you're going to see some of the greatest deceit that in the world. And what you're going to see tonight as well, I'm, <laughs> it's identity theft. This show is very much a follow-up to the Protocols of the Elders of Zion, the mini three-part series that I featured recently. If you did not catch that series, and for those of you who did, it was hard to listen to, I know. Uh, but if you did not catch it, I would encourage you to at least catch my intro to the second part where I break down the etymology and the meanings of synagogue and other words that are very important. Zion. We'll get into Zionists a little bit later. Today I'm going to feature two videos that I think are really well done. Uh, I don't think they've made the rounds too much. But if they, uh, if they have and if you've seen it, they're not very long, and I suggest you sit through it. And in the middle, I'm going to read some words to you that are extremely powerful. And you'll know exactly where I stand in the middle of this, because I'm going to stand with the words that I will be reading. However, just a couple quick notes before I play the first video to you. Uh, I am recording this on Thursday, and it is November 2nd. If you're catching this live or catching it tonight, Friday morning at 9 a.m., I will be returning to the studio to do my live Podbean show, where I feel a little bit more loose. And man, I've got so much to say. I can't even tell you for sure what I'm going to pick as my topics tomorrow. But I'm feeling a little bit uh, frisky and loose. And I think I'm going to probably call out some things. Uh, also, if you didn't catch the show I did with Baby Trump, last week. It's on his Rumble channel, Baby Trump. Um, just search it on Rumble and you'll see. I think it was last Wednesday. It was actually a show that I intended to do on Right On Radio. I just can't get everything on the air, folks. Uh, but I think you'll, for those of you who didn't see it, uh, there's some really good information and it's enough that I might have to repeat it if I don't get enough people uh, that I know had seen that. Um, Lastly, folks, things are heating up. The invasion is coming into the United States. You know they're going to attack the power grid. 
How they do it, we don't know, but it will happen. Congress is telling you it is going to happen. They all have their satellite phones, everything else ready to go. Protect your investments. Get an EMP shield for your house. Get an EMP shield for your car. Um, Folks, you use surge protectors. This is a surge protector, but it protects against EMP. If the lights go out, the cell phones go out, the computers go out, the internet is out, your phones are out. If you have car gas in your car, you can go gather with loved ones or friends. And if power is returned, all of the stuff in your house is not going to be fried. Maybe that's important to you. It's a pretty low investment for that kind of protection. Use coupon code ROR to save $50. And oftentimes they have another 10% that they put on top of it. So the cost is really quite affordable. Go to empshield.com, use coupon code ROR. Um, Secondly, every day it seems I am hearing people saying this person has cancer, this person is having uh, trouble with their thoughts, they're getting Alzheimer's, they're getting things, or someone has a problem with their liver or something like that. Look, your immune system is God's given defense to you to combat these things. The mushrooms that we sell really activate and get your immune system going in a way that I don't see anything else natural that does it like this. If you've heard Kristen, who has experience, has been with the company for many, many, many years, she says nine out of 10 people, it helps. Folks, it's less than $50 a bottle. And if you or your loved ones have issues, is it that big of a risk? Honestly, folks, what do you have to lose? Go to ror.petclub247.com and you can get them there. That's ror.petclub247.com. And if you're able to, listen, I have a whole bunch of extra bottles in my house for people that I run into, my friends, family, and I could give them to them. I will pay it forward. It's kind of like a tithe, in my opinion. If you're able to sacrifice of your own to help someone else, if you're able to do it, do it. The website, one more time, is ror.petclub.com. 247.com. All right. Uh, Let me just look at my notes here. Last thing I want to remind you of is, folks, I put myself out there when I do these shows. I put a lot of work into them. I pray a lot about it. Am I perfect? No. Am I going to get everything right? No. But I want your feedback. Good, bad, indifferent. It doesn't matter. Would you leave a comment? Would you 
say something, just give me some feedback on these shows. And if you've enjoyed the show, maybe hit thumbs up. You know, I appreciate everyone who supports this channel and I am listener supported, but I put it out for free for 99% of the people. Could you just comment? I thank you in advance. All right, the first video, we're going to have a little bit of a history lesson. This one is about 12 minutes long. And uh, this is the history of the Kazarians. And I just want to point out, because I'm not, I can't remember if it makes it clear in this video. But World War One and the big takeover there, that was about getting rid of Christians, folks. World War II was about setting up Israel. I just want you to keep those things in mind. At least that's the way I see it. I'm not telling you it's 100% fact, but that is the way I see it. Anyways, this video is about 12 minutes long. For those of you who are listening, uh, the audio carries it perfectly. Uh, there's only images behind it. And uh, I'll see you in about 12 minutes with some very strong comments. Great academies of the rabbis were established and thousands of new laws formulated. There, those same Pharisees who killed Jesus Christ remain the undisputed rulers of Judaism. In Babylon, the Pharisees codified their oral traditions into the Babylonian Talmud, the written form of that oral tradition which Jesus so bitterly rebuked. The Talmud reveals how deep was Israel's apostasy. The Talmud also helps us understand the basis for Christ's unflattering descriptions of the Pharisees. Jesus described the Pharisees as hypocrites, children of hell, blind guides, whited sepulchers, full of dead men's bones. He even described the Pharisees as children of their father, the devil, a murderer from the beginning. The Talmud confirms Christ's word. In the Talmud, in Treatise Sanhedrin, an extensive passage describes the right of the Pharisee to kill anyone, just as long as he did so indirectly. As one of dozens of examples, the Talmud tells us that if one bound his neighbor and he died of starvation, he is not liable to execution. In such an indirect manner, the Pharisees also killed Christ. Manipulating the Romans to actually wield the spear and sword, the Pharisees claimed, as their descendants do today, that since the Romans were the direct cause of the death of Christ, it is the Romans, not the Jews, who are guilty. Christ also called the Pharisees adulterers, an adulterous generation. The Talmud provides generous loopholes for adultery. It says the penalty for adultery does not include sex with a minor, the wife of a minor, or the wife of a heathen. The Talmud also encourages seduction of unwed adolescent girls called designated bondmaids. But it's important how such rapes are performed. With the designated bondmaid, one is guilty only in the case of natural connection, but not in the case of perverse connection. The Pharisees reason that rape in a perverted manner is outside the jurisdiction of the law.
Normal rape, however, was punishable. In Babylon, sexual perversion of every kind had been a way of life for millenniums. The Pharisees were deeply influenced by such practices. In three of the major treatises of the Talmud are found extensive passages which give legal endorsement to seduce and marry three-year-old baby girls. In fact, many of the greatest rabbis of the Talmud, including Simeon ben Yohai, upheld this privilege. Today in Israel, thousands of Jews go to Meron every year to venerate the memory of Simeon ben Yohai, one of the most respected rabbis in the history of Judaism. In one of dozens of endorsements of child sex, Simeon ben Yohai said, a proselyte under the age of three years and a day is permitted to marry a priest. Agreeing with ben Yohai, the great rabbi said, when a grown-up man has intercourse with a little girl, it is nothing. For when the girl is less than this, three years and a day, it is as if one put the finger into the eye. The footnote to this passage says, as tears come to the eye again and again, so does virginity come back to the little girl under three years. The same section confirms that sexual activity with small boys is in the same category. The intercourse of a small boy is not regarded as a sexual act. In addition to adulterers, Christ, in the story of the Good Samaritan, portrayed the Pharisees as racial bigots, too self-righteous to respond to the suffering of one who was not a Jew. It is true, because of the wickedness of the Canaanites, which included sodomy and infant sacrifice, Israel had been commanded by God to be harsh in her treatment of the inhabitants of the land. God made it clear that the Canaanites were not simply to be avoided, but destroyed. By the time of the New Testament, this method of preserving God's kingdom by separation and the sword had become obsolete. God no longer made a racial difference between men. But the Pharisees were unfazed by God's new agenda. The Talmud was finally written down nearly five centuries after Christ, yet it's critical even homicidal attitudes toward Gentiles might have been lifted out of the book of Joshua. However, the quickest way to grasp the Talmudic view of Gentiles is not directly from the Talmud, but from the Jewish encyclopedias. If we quote an isolated opinion from the Talmud, a rabbi may quickly object, saying, but that is not the overall opinion of the Talmud. That is not the definitive view. What the Jewish encyclopedia provides us is a definitive overview of perhaps hundreds of rabbinic statements on any subject, giving us accurate summaries of what the Talmud generally teaches. In its article on Gentiles, the Jewish encyclopedia begins to define what makes a Jew so different from a Gentile. According to the rabbis, only Israelites are men. Gentiles they class not as men, but as barbarians. Since Gentiles are not men in the fullest sense, so the Gentile is not a neighbor of a Jew. Further, since Gentile laws were too crude to admit of reciprocity, meaning too crude to be taken seriously, the Gentile was forever beneath the Jew. Gentiles were outlawed by God from the beginning and thus had no property rights. The Almighty offered the Torah to the Gentile nations also, but since they refused to accept it, he withdrew his shining legal protection from them and transferred their property rights to Israel, who observed his law. 
Since the Talmud outlawed the child, or issue of a Gentile, as that of a beast, a Gentile had as little legal rights in a Jewish court as did an animal. The Talmud states that if a Gentile sue an Israelite, the verdict is for the defendant, the Israelite. Conversely, if the Israelite is the plaintiff, he obtains full damages. Because the Talmud conspires against Gentiles, if a Jew was ever caught telling a Gentile what the Talmud really says, such a person deserves death. So vile was the nature of a Gentile that the great Simeon ben Yohai said, the best among the Gentiles deserves to be killed. The best of snakes ought to have its head crushed. Jews, however, are exalted beings in the Talmud, worthy of praise. Christ described the Pharisee who blessed himself, saying, I thank thee, Lord, that I am not as other men. An eminent Talmudic rabbi says the same. Blessed be thou who hast not made me a goy or Gentile. There is a special antagonism between the Talmud and Jesus. The Talmud attacks him everywhere it can, even his mother. Mary, the Talmud says, was a whore who mated with carpenters. She who was the descendant of princes and governors played the harlot with carpenters. It naturally followed that the scribes declared Christ to be a bastard. In its article on Jesus, the Jewish encyclopedia says that Jewish writings defame Christ. It is the tendency of all these sources to belittle the person of Jesus by ascribing to him illegitimate birth, magic, and a shameful death. Jesus, according to this article, was considered one of the three worst enemies of Judaism who came to an ignoble end. The Talmud says they subjected him to four deaths, stoning, burning, decapitation, and strangling. The Talmud also says he is now in hell, punished with boiling hot excrement. What is Christ's advice as he speaks to us out of hell? The Jewish Encyclopedia quotes Jesus as telling us above all to bless the Jews. He says, Further their well-being. Do nothing to their detriment. Whoever touches them touches even the apple of his eye. Christians, as followers of the false prophet Jesus, also deserve death. The Jewish Encyclopedia again recaps the Talmud's position. A Gentile observing the Sabbath deserves death. The testimony of a Christian was not admitted in evidence in Jewish courts, and an Israelite who found anything belonging to one who was a Christian was forbidden to return it to him. The Pharisees, through their Talmud, thus gave the Jews an ethic which encouraged bigotry and isolation. But it did worse than that. It invited persecution. By the 11th century, the inhabitants of Babylon, growing weary of the self-righteousness and dishonesty of the Jews, expelled them to the West. That's part of our faith. They had to read uh, the Bible. The All right, folks. Um, <laughs> what can I say? This video was going to be the second one. I was going to give you an entire intro to this one. And... Uh, I made a mistake, but I don't edit, so you get what you get, um, and maybe it was for a reason that this came first, but obviously the Pharisees and the so-called Jews, and I use that term advisedly, are saying pretty nasty things about Jesus, 
and obviously they make provisions for themselves for children and adultery, murder, property rights, all kinds of different things. Uh, I stopped the video here. There's about two minutes left. And at this point, I want to give, there will be a language warning. First, you are going to hear uh, Benjamin Netanyahu. His first few words are, we were commanded to read the Bible, the Torah. And then he goes on. And after that is Zionist John Hagee, you know, kind of a big preacher down the United States. Big name, fills a big church. Then after that, you're going to hear um, just a couple short clips, and there are some uh, foul language for about 30 seconds. They'll hear a slight interlude after that of music, and then you're going to hear something extremely shocking about their circumcision. After this video concludes, I will come back and give some commentary, and then we'll go on to the one I meant to play, the first one, which is the history of the Kazarians. And make no mistake, the people that are being described with that follow the Talmud and stuff like that, I really believe to be the Kazarians who are not Jews in actuality, but I'll let you decide. Let me just continue this video here. Benjamin Netanyahu. And that carried the Jewish people as a unique people, people of the book, as we call them. The people of the book not only knew the book, they could read the book. The capacity to ask questions, which is what the Talmudic tradition did across Jewish communities. It never... Okay, I, sorry, I got to stop here. You see, they think they have a much higher capacity. We are just goy. We're like animals. They have the capacity. And he says in the Talmudic tradition... What does Bibi really believe? Sorry for the interruption. Define the end of knowledge. It never put an exclamation mark on truth. It was constant. Find the end of knowledge? <laughs> I can't stop. <laughs> oh, you Satanist. Questioning, expanding, growing, exchanging between communities, between great scholars and their students. It never ended. It was always iterative. This culture exploded when the walls of the ghetto went down. This same tradition, this same culture is part of us. It's deeply ingrained in our culture, in our thinking, in our traditions. Israel's fight is our fight. We are one. We are united. We will not be discouraged. We will not be defeated. We will not be intimidated. We will not sit down. 
We will not be silent. We are the worst nightmare of the anti-Semites of the world. The victory is going to be ours. Language warning here. I don't care. Good. I, I... This is some female comedian. I don't know who it is. I don't care. It's gross. I hope the Jews did kill Christ. I'd do it again. I'd fucking do it again in a second. Please. What? You need to, you need to, you can't come in here. This is, a, this is a, not your house. This is not your house. We killed Jesus, we're proud of it. Where are you? I'm gonna kill you and the Palestinians. This is my house. This is my land. God gave it to me. And Did you hear that? We'll kill you and the Palestinians. This is my house. God gave it to me. Remember when it said in the Talmud that the Goy don't have property rights? Listen on. The real shocking thing is coming. And this is new to me. Um, and by the way, um, it's not really graphic for those of you watching, but certainly you're going to see what is described. Fuck you. When they circumcise little boys, the rabbi actually puts his mouth around the penis and sucks the blood. I am not making this up. This is Talmudic Damn. Judaism, and this is what is being carried out in Israel. So for those who want to support Israel, especially the idiot Christian Zionists, my God, how stupid are you? These people hate Jesus Christ, and they definitely are using you like a bunch of idiot pawns for their own sick and twisted game. That is the reality. Absolutely. Great academies. Of well, that was interesting, was it not? And if you didn't catch part of the point that I was making in the series, about the identity theft. Remember, Paul says, those who are outwardly Jews are not Jews. Those who are outwardly circumcised are not circumcised. But those who are inwardly, who preach, who talk, who acknowledge by the Spirit of God, <clears throat> those are Israel. And what a deception in 1947 when a place, a geography, stole the name of God's people. Now, in that video, you heard many things that the uh, Talmud says about Christ, they say he went to hell, he lives in hell, but he's screaming from hell, don't say anything bad about the Jews, lift them up, can you believe this stuff? Sorry, I need some water, I'm hot here. <clears throat> so, Jesus had a lot of things to say about them, and there was quite a bit in the beginning of that video. But I just want to read some to you 
from Matthew 23. And and listen, I, I know some people who tune in to this channel aren't Christians. That's okay. And, you know, some people who are Christians or maybe are new Christians think that Jesus was a weeping, Jesus just a dying guy on a cross. Couldn't be further from the truth, folks. But this is when Jesus was walking on the earth and teaching his disciples. I'm going to read one particular section from Matthew 23. In fact, I'm probably going to read most of this chapter. And right before I do, I want to point out to some of you who might say, well, I don't like Jesus because I don't like religion. Neither did Jesus and neither do I. Religion is the enemy of God. And by the way, what religions come out of the Talmud and the Zohar? Folks, is Kabbalah. And all this new age stuff, the externalization of the hierarchy that is coming out now. That's where this stuff comes from. But let me just read what Jesus had to say, because this whole chapter is him speaking. Then Jesus spoke to the crowds and to his disciples, saying, the scribes and Pharisees, okay, so those are the people who go to the synagogues, okay? That's who he's talking to. I want to be very clear. He's talking to the people that we just heard about that read the Zohar, the Talmud, and stuff like that. The Kazarians and the Zionists. <laughs> Let's throw them into. The scribes and the Pharisees have seated themselves in the chair of Moses. Therefore, whatever they tell you, do and comply with it all. Nice guy so far, right? But do not do as they do, for they say things and do not do them. And they tie up heavy burdens and lay them on the people's shoulders. But they themselves are unwilling to move them with so much as a finger. And they do all their deeds to be noticed by other people, for they broaden their phylacteries and lengthen their tassels of their garments. And they love the place of honor at the banquets and the seats of honor in the synagogues and personal greetings in marketplaces. Listen to this part. Th listen to this. And being called rabbi, by the people. But as for you, do not be called rabbi, for only one is your teacher, and you are all brothers and sisters. And do not call anyone on earth your father, for only one is your father, he who is in heaven. And do, do not be called leaders, for only one is your leader, and that is Christ. But the greatest of you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself shall be humbled, 
and whoever humbles himself shall be exalted. Okay, wise. But let's continue in verse 13, shall we? But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you shut the kingdom of heaven in front of people, for you do not enter it yourselves, neither do you allow those who are entering to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you travel around on sea and land to make the proselyte, and when he becomes one, you make him twice as much of a son of hell as yourselves. Woe to you, blind guides, who say, whoever swears by the temple, that is nothing, but whoever swears by the gold of the temple is obligated. You fools and blind men, which is more important, the gold of the temple or the temple that sanctified the gold? Of course, Jesus is speaking, the temple is your earthly shell. He's not talking about a building. I'm just going to skip that one's a little bit long. There's a whole bunch more. I'm going to be doing a study on Matthew, spoiler alert, as soon as we finish the book of Peter. But let's continue in verse 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier provisions of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. But these are the things you should have done without neglecting others. You blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you clean the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside they are full of robbery and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and of the dish, so the outside of it may also become clean. Again, he's talking about the person. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you are like whitewashed tombs, which on the outside appear beautiful, but inside they are full of dead men's bones and uncleanness. So you too outwardly appear righteous to people, but inwardly you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Verse 29, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, catching a theme, <laughs> hypocrites, for you build the tombs for the prophets and decorate the monuments of the righteous, and you say, if we had been living in the days of our fathers, we would have not been partners with them in the shedding of the blood of the prophets. So you testify against yourselves that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then the measure of guilt of your fathers. 
You snakes! You offspring of vipers! How will you escape the sentence of hell? Therefore, behold, I am sending you prophets and wise men and scribes. Some of them you will kill and crucify, and some of them you will flog in your synagogues and persecute from city to city, so that upon you will fall the guilt of all righteous blood shed on earth, from the blood of the righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. Truly, I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. It's worth just finishing this out. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and the stones, those who have been sent to her, how often I wanted to gather your children together by way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were unwilling, but your house is left to you desolate. For I say to you, from now on, you will not see me until you say, Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. All right, let me pull up the next video here, folks. One second. This is the history of the Gazarians, and uh, it's... 15 minutes long, I found it to be excellent. Uh, I haven't researched every single bit of it, folks. I just want to be truthful with you. But uh, from what I have researched, it certainly seems like truth to me. This is the history of the Khazarians. The Jews, I call them Jews to you because they're known as Jews. I don't call them Jews. I refer to them as so-called Jews because I know what they are and I can prove that. The Eastern European Jews who form 92% of the world's population of those people who call themselves Jews, were originally Khazars. They were a warlike tribe that lived deep in the heart of Asia. And they were so warlike that even the Asiatics drove them out of Asia into Eastern Europe. And to reduce this so you don't get too confused about the history of Eastern Europe, they set up this big Khazar kingdom, 800,000 square miles. Only, there was no Russia, there were no other countries, and the Khazar kingdom was the biggest country in all Europe. So big and so powerful that when the other monarchs wanted to go to war, the Khazars would loan them 40,000 soldiers. That's how big and powerful they were. Now, they were phallic worshippers. Was their religion. 
the way it was the religion of many other pagans or barbarians elsewhere in the world. Now the king became so disgusted with the degeneracy of his kingdom that he decided to adopt a so-called monotheistic faith. Christianity, Islam, Muslim faith, or what is known today as Judaism, really Talmud. So, like spinning a top, he said, eeny, meeny, miny, moe, and he picked out so-called Judaism. And he opened up synagogues and schools in his kingdom of 800,000 square miles, and maybe 10 to 20 million people, and they became what we call Jews. There wasn't one of them that ever had an ancestor that ever put a toe in the Holy Land, not alone in Old Testament history, but back to time, the beginning of time. Not one of them. That is the foundation of all the misery that has befallen the world. The whole thing, the whole Greater Israel Plan, it, it, it operates on two essential things. It's to survive, Israel must become the imperial regional power, and it must affect the division of the entire area around it into smaller states. They stir up sectarian hatred, they divide the whole place into smaller states, and then all these smaller states are fighting each other, and so that kind of legitimizes uh, Israel's existence because it, it appears to be the only stable force in the area when it's the one who's gone and destabilized the whole thing. And what Chris said about the two stripes on the flag, this is exactly right, the Nile and the Euphrates, this is the plan for greater Israel. And it includes Syria, it includes Jordan, it includes uh, the top of the Saudi Arabia, half of Iraq, parts of Lebanon. This has been the plan for the whole time and this is why they've gone in there and done things the way they have. It's all part of the Greater Israel Project. And even there was another document that was called uh, Israel's Sacred Terrorism. It was written by a man called uh, Olivia uh, Rakash. And it's uh, it's based on the memoirs of Moshe Sharet, former Prime Minister of Israel. And it, it basically outlines the uh, 1978 invasion of Lebanon to a T. It's exactly what they did. And it's kind of a smaller, condensed version of this Yinon plan. And the Yinon plan was also outlined by, you know, way back as far as Theodore Herschel, I mean, this has been going on for a long time. This scenario is borne out by none other than Prime Minister David Ben-Gurion, one of the great founders of Israel. Recorded in an astonishing article in Look magazine, Ben-Gurion predicted that a one-world system presided over by Jerusalem will be set up in the near future. All continents will become united in a world alliance at whose disposal will be an international police force. All armies will be abolished, and there will be no more war. In Jerusalem, the United Nations, a truly united nations, will build a shrine of the prophets to serve the federated union of all continents. This will be the seat of the Supreme Court of Mankind to settle all controversies among the federated continents as prophesied by Isaiah. What we're dealing with here, like when you look at the um, the whole Khazar 
empire. That's who these people are, they're Khazars, and they basically hijacked everything. They've infiltrated into Christianity, they've infiltrated into Judaism, they've probably even infiltrated into Islam. infiltrated into everything this is where you've got uh christian zionists you've got jewish zionists you've got this whole sort of mottled empire that's sort of all over the world it's infiltrated everywhere and they're using basically the what's outlined the supremacist ideology that's outlined in the jewish faith they're using this to construct their new world order and these people believe they're the chosen people these, these khazars are more zealous about following these these ideologies and the actual jews are but none of them actually believe in god they're creating this whole tense situation everywhere to break everything up to collapse everything collapse all the economies collapse europe collapse russia collapse everything and create this empire of chaos with this this one bastion of control in the middle which will be greater israel that's the plan but it's run by the Khazars. And I, I would suggest that even the British royal family are probably related to these Khazars in some way. I mean, it all seems to go back to this empire. All the research that I've done over the years, going back through Hebrew lines and going back, looking at what happened in Egypt and so many things, this, this Khazar history is the most hidden history and the most repressed history anywhere. You know, it's all about um, merging all of the races on the planet together this is why we've got such an infiltration of foreign races into Europe at the moment, which is all being run by, by uh, Jewish advisors to all of these countries. You know? And it's, it's weird. You say to stuff, and go, oh, you're blaming the Jews for everything. You're anti-Semitic. Well, hang on. I'm just looking at the situation. And you look and you go, well, these people, they just happen to all be Jews. Is this a coincidence? And then you look at the Greater Israel Plan and you look at the whole doctrine of the, of the, the Jews, the God's Chosen and the Goyim, and you say, well, here it all is. Sisi, he's serving British and Israeli interests like to a T. He's doing, he's doing just as bad, even more um, damage to uh, to Gaza than Israel because th these are Arab brothers. These should be supporting these people. And he's closed all the borders off, like you say. He's pulled those all those homes. He's even thinking of digging a moat, as I was saying before, along the. So they can't possibly dig any tunnels because they'd have the weight of water above them. There's no way they'd be able to do any smugglers' tunnels. Like I said, they're turning Gaza into a super maximum prison. It's uh, being done right in, in front of the rest of the world. So Sisi is absolutely serving their interests. But I mean, Bashar Assad, I mean, I don't think he was installed. I think he, he was kind of a reluctant leader. He came to power and uh, didn't really want to have the position that he's got. And his country has been devastated because he wouldn't bow to the Zionist control system. I mean, this whole ISIS thing, I mean, ISIS has sprung out of nowhere exactly when Israel needed it. Um, it's, it's paved the way for Western intervention to go and carpet bomb the whole Arab world. So, I mean, who's controlling this? They're saying they're Muslim extremists. They're not Muslim extremists at all. They're killing Muslim people. They're killing women and children. All of these things that are banned by the Quran. They say, if you do this, then you, you go to hell for all eternity. So obviously they're not religious extremists. They're just extremists. I mean, I would suggest that ISIS probably stands for Israeli Secret Intelligence Services. It's just a new boogeyman because uh, Bin Laden had run out of steam, Al-Qaeda had run out of steam. 
But ultimately, it's all a product of the West anyway. These are the same people that they had in, in Libya, the same people in Syria. Follow the leads, put the troops in, and, and play this. Look, ISIS got started through funding from our friends and allies. Just a quick interjection there for those of you who are listening on Podbean. The screen showed who was funding uh, ISIS, and it simply said that it was funded by the Brits and the Israelis. So that was important. I just didn't want you to miss that point. And could ISIS really stand for... Uh, internal israeli <laughs> it, it, nah, it's the israeli spies whatever <laughs> back to the video sorry so with the additional steps i ordered last month we're speeding up training of isil forces including volunteers from sunni tribes in anbar province so with the additional steps i ordered last month we're speeding up training of ISIL forces, including volunteers from Sunni tribes in Anbar province. All right, I just got to read the screen again for those of you who are listening. Um, it said, it doesn't matter what you believe, it's what they believe. And then on the screen, it says, shows a picture of the Supreme Court of Israel. This purposely designed satanic building was donated by Dorothy de Rothschild for an undisclosed sum and opened in 1992. On the roof of the court sits the Illuminati pyramid, along with Lucifer's all-seeing eye. This evil has been placed in Jerusalem in preparation for the end time and the coming of the Antichrist. Interesting times, folks. The Zionists for years have managed to fool the world because their vision is much larger than a Jewish homeland. Their real vision is a Jewish utopia. 
where all the wealth of the world will be held by Israel and nations of the earth must become subservient to them and their God. In the entrance of the Supreme Court present, uh, there's a painting of the pre uh, present are the Rothschilds with Shimon Perez, Isaac Rabin, and the designers. To enter the courtroom, one comes from darkness into the illuminated light. The Masonic Pyramid in front of the Supreme Court is flanked by the pillars Jachin and Boaz, originally found in front of the Temple of Solomon. And then it reads off at the end of the video that uh, Adolf Hitler actually closed down a lot of the lodges in uh, in Nazi Germany. Um, I'm not sure if they're trying to paint Adolf as a good guy, uh, but I don't believe he was. Um, folks, I want to just say to you, um, things are starting to shape up and the stuff we've been following is pointing out a very clear pattern as far as I'm concerned of what's happening. I want to be very clear though. I know many people who are Jews. They say they're Jews. They, uh, they're not overly, overly zealous about it. They live normal lives. Actually, the ones I know are probably upper middle class to tell you the truth. They're, they're, I don't know any that are struggling. Um, but I know quite a bit of them, and they're good people who go to work every day and uh, want to provide the best for their family. The community is very, very tight-knit, and what they do is, and this is so smart, the whole community will lift up. So if someone graduates college or something like that, they will, as a community, We'll all give money to and and advice on how to run a business for that young person coming up. And this is smart and it's biblical that they would do that. We don't do that. What I'm trying to say to you folks is don't 
look at everyone with a hat or who dresses like a Jew as a Kazarian. Don't hate any of them. In fact, even the ones who are obvious that are against you, you can hate what they do. You can hate what they stand for. But pray for them. They are your neighbor. And Jesus said to pray for your enemies. You know what happens when you pray for your enemy? I don't have the exact Bible verse in front of me, but it says it's like, it's like heaping hot ash on their head. But you want to be careful. Guard your heart. If you pray for your enemy, you pray good things for them. You pray salvation for them. Don't pray for them to get even with them because it's going to, just the way, the way it works, man, it's going to bounce back on you folks. Don't curse other people. You can hate the things they can do. You can call out their hypocrisy. You can call out their evil deeds. In fact, you're called to do that. But we need to pray for them, not against them. And as I said, don't judge any man. Don't put yourself in the place of God. Love them despite what they plan to do for us. And man, that is not easy. It's not easy to follow the Lord. But take his yoke and it will be easy. And when you pray for them, what happens is, is you lift it up and you ask Jesus to deal with it. And Jesus bears the words, faithful and true, Lord of lords and King of kings. It's going to be a wild ride, folks. I hope you're looking forward to it. Please leave a comment. I would certainly appreciate it. May God bless each and every one of you. And in the meantime, love your God above all else. Love your neighbor as yourself. Even if they're Kazarian. <laughs> Or a rabbi. Did Jesus say there's you shouldn't be called a rabbi? Because he's the only one? Yeah, he did. And when you pray for all these people, I know that I know that I know you will make a difference in your community. <laughs>